and welcome to another fun-filled, non-stop, action-packed episode of the all-new Big Wake Up Call podcast. I'm Ryan Gatenby. I'm your host, and have some great guests for you today. Up first, I'll be joined by Harry Shum Jr. as we discuss his new movie, Broadcast Signal Intrusion which is actually based on a local TV event here in Chicago where some weirdo took over Channel 11 and Channel 9. Then I'll visit with Brian Baumgartner, also known as the beloved Kevin Malone, on The Office. We'll chat about his new book, Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, the ultimate oral history of The Office. And then Jody Sweeten joins us to talk about her experience with a celebrity exorcism. So I think it'll be another fun show. And I'll have my first guest, Harry Shum Jr., coming up next. We are back on the big wake-up call, and time for my next guest. He's a popular actor, you know, from his roles on Glee and Crazy Rich Asians. Starring in a brand new movie, Broadcast Signal Intrusion, which is now in theaters and on demand, and we are going to visit with uh, Harry Shum Jr. And uh, Harry, good morning. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, Ryan. Thanks for having me. How are things going where you are today? Hey, you know, I'm up early and ready to go. It's all going good. Uh, um, I uh, <laughs> Right now, we're just starting to get the cold into L.A., so uh, I'm starting to layer up. Now, what does the cold mean in L.A.? Like 65? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we hit the 63. You know, that's, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it, it's all what you're used to. But, uh, but anyway, broadcast signal intrusion. I love that this was uh, inspired in part by a couple incidents on uh, Chicago TV in, uh, in the 80s. Can you share with us uh, what broadcast signal intrusion is about? Yeah, I mean, like you uh, like you just said, it was inspired by these true events that happened. Um, a, a real <clears throat> intrusion happened in a local Chicago station uh, where a sportscaster was just showing the highlights, and then the signal got hijacked, and right. someone with a, a max headroom mask uh, came on, and an audible sounds, and it was just for 30 seconds doing really interesting, inappropriate things. And then it went off and went back to, to, to the signal, and it happened again that same night, but the FCC got involved, FBI got involved, they didn't know why they did it or who did it um, and how they did it, and it just became this, this really big deal during that time. So our story kind of really takes it a step further, and I play a video archivist who discovers these intrusions. And uh, he starts to find these connections um, that are a little more sinister than he thought of missing women and then finds a personal connection because his, his wife mysteriously died three years prior. So he starts to um, go down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out this mystery and to hopefully find some answers for his wife's death as well. And it just goes down this, this journey that is very unexpected, a lot of twists and turns, but um, it, it's a really fun ride, um, especially for this time right now in Halloween. It's hard to believe almost 35 years later and no one has come forward to talk about this. I mean, I just wonder what kind of technology did you have in the late 80s to break into a, a, a tower, a transmitter on top of the John Hancock Center and interrupt two 
local TV stations. I didn't see the one on the news. I saw the one when I was watching uh, Doctor Who. I had fortunately taped Doctor it. Who. <laughs> I had fortunately taped it when I heard about it, and uh, that was uh, that was absolutely insane. And don't think every video nerd watching that didn't think about, hey, how can I do that? Oh, absolutely, and I think you know we, we we do explore a lot of that too as well. It's, it's whether if it was a prank or not, and and if there was more hidden meaning to it. That that you know, I think it's just so interesting. That some some hackers or or, or freakers or are um, what they call culture jamming um, is they're finding ways to say like there's different reasons behind it, and I, I think that's the fascinating part. It's like. You don't know why, and that is the most frustrating part. <laughs> I'm sure when you saw it, you're just like, what the hell? But some people, I remember when they um, interviewed certain uh, people that happened to it, it was like they just wanted to punch the TV screen, or it was just so unsettling that they couldn't even, you know, watch TV for a couple of weeks. And it was just it was just really, really fascinating. So, you know, our movie definitely dives into, has those eerie feelings and, and the paranoia that all comes with it as well. So in your movie, it starts as kind of a, an unrelated incident, but then you find the videos are getting more and more personal. So then do you find that exciting and a little creepy? Are you fearful as where this is going? Like in, in the movie, what what do you think it's pointing to? Um, all the above. I, I think in the movie, it, it it's, it's, it's not, it's what you don't know that's, um, I think that's the scary part, right? And, yeah. and then what you do know. And I think the unknown, it kind of really takes you on a path, but there's so many different paths. So this unknown can, might steer you towards a really sinister path that, that you weren't expecting that you might not want to do. Or also you might call out the inner monster in you that, that might, might start to take shape that you didn't realize was in you. And I think there's just, that's the scary part. I think that's more in the, in the reality grounded um, uh, fear of, of I think a lot of people, right? And I think for the character James, that it's like, what actually lives inside you and what are you capable of at the end of the day? That's what it is. It's, okay, here's something I didn't know existed, you know, five minutes ago, and now it does and it's doing things to me, and like, how did something unknown now has ideas in my head, and those are going to spiral on and on, and that's where kind of like the psychological damage can come in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's how how precious our, our brains are, and, and also how powerful it is at the same time. Like, you you, you do have some sort of control on, on, on how far you can take things if you're conscious of it, but... I think, you know, one of the themes in the film is, is that, you know, he is dealing with grief and that, that grief, if it's not properly taken care of, can 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 affect you in, 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 a, in different ways oh, yeah. and, and sometimes very dangerous ways. As an actor, can you kind of segment your brain? Like, if, if you're playing a character that is about to get killed, obviously, as an actor, you know it's coming. How do you play that as your character is is experiencing that for the first time. To me, that seems like would be one of the biggest challenges for an actor. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, you know, I, I also look at it as, as, you know, you can, you can, we're playing, we're playing at the end of the day, you mm -hmm. know, people who experience uh, so many different things, they're, they're, they're re really living the reality of it. But um, for me, it's really just um, 
the, the imagination, I think, is incredibly powerful. So I think as an actor, you just have to uh, turn up the imagination uh, and and really just get it out there. And I think even also for, for, for this movie, it is the audience's imagination is, I think, what's really going to make the film really pop in, in that way, even though we have an amazing score by Ben Lovett. We have amazing visuals. We have an incredible story that we're, 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 we're putting on. But I think what's cool is the artist uh, audience participation and having them, their opinions on what they think that these clues really mean uh, because you're on this journey that James, you're in his shoes. And I, I think that's a really fun part that we don't get to see much of these type of films um, that, that especially during this time, it, it's perfect. I'm sure this has probably been discussed. If not, I'll put it out there, and I only want uh, 1%. Is this movie, this has to come out on VHS. For the era, for what it's talking about, VHS is making a comeback along with cassette tapes for some reason. I don't know why, but you need a VHS release. Hey, I, you know, I think this is the perfect, perfect movie uh, to, to do that. Actually, you know what's funny is a fan... You know, a fan actually made like a fake VHS, not with the movie on, but it had like it lit up, it had the full cover, and they like photoshopped it. It was just incredible to see it that way. Yeah. And even before the movie came out, so to see the hype behind it and everything, it's just so wonderful. But just the feeling of holding a VHS and the weight of it was really fun. See, and I like that I can talk to you about VHS, and you get it. And as I get older and actors get younger, sometimes there's just silence on the line when you bring it up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I know the feeling of having to rewind, be kind, rewind. Yeah, you know, uh, doing all that to make sure, and then that feeling of like if you don't rewind, then then you're you're a jerk. <laughs> so it's like this weird social cue that you kind of like understanding you had of sharing media with people. Uh, broadcast signal intrusion. It is now in theaters and on demand. Look for it soon on VHS. Starring my guest uh, Harry Shum Jr. And uh, thank you so much for uh, calling in today. This was fun. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you, man. And welcome back to the all-new Big Wake Up Call podcast. I'm Ryan Gatenby. Thank you for listening, and time for my next guest. Of course, you know him as Kevin Malone, the beloved character from The Office. He is the co-author of a brand new book, Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, The Ultimate Oral History, of the office. He is joining us for the second time on the program. So let's welcome back Brian Baumgartner. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. It's glad to have you back. Now, when you were on the show a couple years ago, we discussed your high school speech career. I don't have any new obscure facts about you unless you have one you'd like to share. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think so. That's so funny. Um, yes, I, no, not, I've, I've put that behind me. I've put that behind me. <laughs> I've moved on. Okay, well, that's good. Um, so uh, the new book, you have Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, The Ultimate Oral History, as dedicated a fan base as there is for The Office. If you have the ultimate in there, it, it, it has to live up to that. What do you have for us? Uh, well, look, The, the Office currently eight years since we have filmed a even a singular scene of the show uh remains the most watched show in all of television and i'm including all of the the hot hit new shows um that are going on the, the office is there and 
So really the putting this book together started with a question for me, which is why, why, is, why, why this show, what happened? Sure. And so I went back, uh, did over a hundred hours of interviews with everybody who worked on the show, actors, writers, directors, producers, crew people, um, and trying to assemble the answer to that question, which is, is what happened. And going back from the beginning, uh, to try to find some clues as to maybe things that happened early on that has, has made it that now, um, it's been just an absolute joy and, and a labor of love for me, uh, to go back and, and, and retell the story. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for people to watch it. And, and not only that, we combed through tens of thousands of photos, uh, that were taken, uh, on set behind the scenes and, um, and there's a lot of photos in this book that no one has ever seen before. So I'm excited um, for people to see that, too. I cannot believe it's been eight years since The Office was off the air. And I just remember early on, you know, pre-streaming, and I didn't even have a, a, a DVR, just being out and racing home because I didn't want to miss it. It, it was such a, probably the last era of uh, appointment television. I think you guys were just the right place at the right time. Yeah, I think we, you know, we talk a lot about that in the book, actually, in terms of finding those clues, right? We kind of rode this new wave of technology. I mean, this will make young people listening like go, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, you know, there was the, 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 the social media was uh, a thing called MySpace. Uh, there was no picture sharing. There was none of that. And, uh, and you know, we, we introduced, the office was... Um, for, on the first batch of shows that were on this thing called the video iPod that people could actually wait. You can watch something and carry it around with you. Oh yeah. Um, that, that, you know, and you know, immediately became sort of the top show on that young people started consuming it. And, and, and we sort of rode that, that wave, but yes, I also cannot believe that it's been eight years. It's crazy. So doing all of these interviews, talking to everyone, were you able to personally gain a lot of insight into the parts of the show, the background that you were completely unaware of? Sure. I mean, part of the reason I think that, that this was me um, who was telling the story was I was just very interested the whole time in the business of television. Like, it just was something that interested me. So, like, when the show was struggling early on, which we talk a lot about people who see, you know, 207 episodes or whatever on Netflix, don't, don't realize, Oh wait, you were almost canceled after five episodes. Like, wow. Wow. And so, but I was always very interested in that. And so I, I made it a point to establish relationships with, with all the different times. I mean, the, the chairman of NBC at the time we talked to Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, who, uh, you know, who, who, um, created the, the original British version of The Office and Greg Daniels and all the cast. So it, it was really fun for me to to get together with those people and, and, and try to discover some of the answers. I don't know exactly why, but I think that the parallel between um, an unreasonable boss making his employees do unreasonable things, uh, there's a there's a pretty clear parallel to me now between that and an unreasonable teacher making their students do unreasonable things stuck in the same space, you know, day after day and year after year. I think that's one of the reasons I think characters being universal, 
uh, is another. And the show is kind of subversive, which I think also appeals yeah. to a younger audience. Yeah. The show out now, the biggest show streaming. When when people see you out, do they lose their minds or do they not recognize you? Since, you know, Kevin had a very, very specific look that I'm assuming you do not have in your everyday life. I don't. People will find me with a hat and mask (laughs) on. I don't even know. And I don't even sound the same. So it can't even really be my voice. Uh, No, look, I, you know, I, um, I have I have discovered um, there is a, a particular connection that a lot of fans have with Kevin. I think they feel for Kevin. I think there's some scenes in the show that indicate that pretty clearly. And um, so it, people are genu- genu- generally um, very excited. And, you know, the other thing is the difference between television, especially a show like this that people watch over and over and, uh, you know, movies or something else. Like, I know for a fact there are a lot of people in bed at night in their underwear who are watching the show. <laughs> True. So that brings, an, that brings an intimacy that you don't have with everyone, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that's certainly more. I never thought of it that way. But, yeah, you truly got a more uh, intimate connection like that. Um, yeah. And uh, the new book is Welcome to Dunder Mifflin, The Ultimate Oral History of the Office, co-authored by my guest, Brian Baumgartner. And uh, Brian, great to talk to you again, and thanks for calling in. Absolutely. Thanks so much. I appreciate you having me on. We are back on the big wake-up call, and time for my next guest. She's a popular actress you know from her iconic role as Stephanie Tanner on Full House and Fuller House. She is one of the participants in Celebrity Exorcism, now airing on Tubi as part of their Terror on Tubi series. And we're going to visit with Jody Sweeten. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are things uh, going where you are? Things are going well. Uh, I, I'm getting to talk about uh, a fun supernatural show that I did, and, and I, I'm loving it. Now, I have to ask if I said or did anything to offend you or insult you, because we haven't had you on our show since uh, back in 2015. Oh, my God. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Not At least not that I remember. Yeah. <laughs> So someone comes to you and says, hey, Jody, do you want to participate in some exorcisms? Were, were you in right away? Is this right uh, in your wheelhouse? Well, you know, when we, when we were approached about the show, we didn't know it was going to be exorcisms or anything. They just said supernatural. And I love that kind of stuff. I've yeah. been ghost hunting with friends on my own, no cameras, just for, you know, fun. So when they approached me about doing this, I was like, yeah, absolutely. Um, I had no idea who I'd be teaming up with. And it was Char Jackson, uh, who from from Moesha, yeah. and also uh, Meta World Peace uh, NBA star, and so the three of us joined forces on this, and we had the best time together. Um, but I was definitely way more on board and, and gung ho with all of the supernatural stuff. Uh, I it, this sounded like fun from from the get go to me, so I was all in. So then, what is the format of the show? What are we going to see when you guys are celebrity exorcisming? None of us are actually being exercised. I will say that. Oh, uh, okay. No demons, you know, yeah, no, no, nothing like that. We are going along with Rachel Stavis, who um, is a, uh, you know, well-known uh, spiritualist and exorcist uh, who's done a lot of work in different spaces and with different people. 
And um, she brought us along and kind of put us through a spiritual boot camp of her own so that we could learn to hone uh, some of our own skills and then accompany her to some different locations here in L.A. to help clear some spaces and really get in touch with more of our own supernatural abilities. Now, we've had Rachel on the show before, and as I recall, she was uh, a lot of fun. Were you guys laughing a lot as well as being scared and, and getting creeped out? Oh, for sure. We had I mean, we, we had a great time with Rachel, and Shar and Meta and I just really clicked. So it was a great group of people to go and, uh, and be mildly terrified with. Did you ever feel at a sense that you were in the presence of a, of a spirit or you were being visited? Oh, absolutely. There was definitely, yeah, there was definitely some things that happened and, and just some, some sensations and feelings that you got where you were like, I, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel like normal to me. Or, you know, this feels, I'm, I'm definitely not alone in this space when, uh, you know, physically you are. Um, so, you know, there were, there were things that happened and, you know, I have a skeptical mind, so I always like to ask a lot of questions, but I will say, uh, there were some times that I really questioned why I said I was so brave and willing to go into places by myself. When you're finished with it, can you just roll with it and say, okay, that happened, or does it kind of keep turning in your mind for a while afterwards? Oh, I mean, it definitely keeps turning in your mind. I mean, you you know, I think you, you keep questioning it and you keep wondering about it. And, uh, you know, you're like, I kind of want to go back and see if it happens again. Or, yeah. you know, um, it, it was definitely not something that you do and then just walk away. It, it stays with you. You know, if I were to bring up a, a trio of, of actors or a duo of actors and an athlete who, who are part of this, it's just it's a strange uh, trio. But it seems like you know what that really works. I can I can see it now. It, you know what? It is an absolutely strange trio. But Shar and I, I mean, we hit it off right away. Meta and I became friends, and Shar like he, and apparently Meta uh, was a huge Full House fan growing up. So he, it was really funny that he was excited to meet Stephanie Tanner. <laughs> Well, and we know we know Meta uh, because he started his career with uh, with the Chicago Bulls. I know he played for the Lakers toward the end of his career, so you're probably familiar with him. But you hadn't had met him before this. No, I had not met uh, I had not met Meta before this. Uh, but I'm glad that I have. He and I have actually become friends. So uh, you know, it's funny the the people you meet along the way. Well, just have so much respect for him for how he he's spoken out for. Uh, mental health issues and help to kind of destignify that. Uh, he just, uh, he seems like yeah. just, just a very good guy. He, you know, he really, really is. And I, and I was, um, like I said, I was proud to, to get to meet him and work with him and, and become friends. I think he's done a lot of work for mental health, which is something I'm also really passionate about. So, uh, yeah, so it was fun to get to go on this crazy supernatural journey with him. So then outside the show, have you been a little more of a heightened awareness? Are you more convinced of the influence of ghosts? Have you noticed things you probably wouldn't have? You know, I'll be honest. I have always been into this kind of stuff. So for me, um, I it just kind of confirmed my, my belief and my understanding that like, yeah, you know, there's just things out there that you can't quite explain or put your put your finger on that aren't explained by, you know, the, the normal questions that you might be able to ask. Uh, so, you know, I, for me, it was uh, like a really affirming experience and definitely something that I want to do again. I know when I lived alone, I was convinced there was a ghost in my house because I would hear this whispering and I know it wasn't my cat and it happened more than once. I always wonder, is this, you know, who lived in, uh, in the apartment before me? 
I mean, it very well could be. You might have to, you know, if, if you if you could go back there, you might have to go exercise the faith. Like the it's only the only exorcism I needed was like to get off of Girl Scout Thin Mints. You don't need an intervention. You need an exorcism for that. <laughs> right. I look. My daughter. I have a my younger daughter's a Girl Scout. I get it. I think I still have a living room full of Girl Scout cookies. Uh, Jody, anything else uh, you wanted to mention? Uh, yeah, I'd love. To, you know, I'm still working on uh, my podcast. Never thought I'd say this, which is in season four. Uh, it's a hilarious and inappropriate look at my misadventures of parenting with my best friend Celia Behar. Um, and you know, I'm working on directing some stuff and writing some things and more shows. So um, you know, lots happening, and I'm uh, I'm really excited for people to to come and and take this spooky journey for Halloween along with us. And a Celebrity Exorcism, it is now streaming on a 2B, starring my guest Jody Sweeten. Well, it was it was nice to catch up with you, and uh, please join us again before 2027. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that is going to do it for another episode of the all-new Big Wake Up Call podcast. Thanks once again to my guest, Harry Shum Jr., Brian Baumgartner. And Jody Sweeten, if you like the program, please leave us a kind review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ryan Gatenby. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next time.